and welcome back to another episode of Franchise Euphoria. Josh Brown here. Today, I've got Rick Sasari on the show, and I'm pumped to have him on the show. He's a brand guru. I mean, for any of you who are out there trying to grow your franchise brand or get your brand recognized and grow your sales, grow the identity of your brand, you definitely want to tune in. Rick is really a pioneer in brand response advertising and has been so since the early 90s. He's helped create the concept of sell while you brand, and he's been the force behind the creation of many of today's top consumer brands, such as the Juiceman, Sonicare, the Breadman, the George Foreman Grill, OxyClean, Clarisonic, Rug Doctor, Momentous Golf, and GoPro. And in fact, he's helped companies like GoPro go from startup to over a billion dollars in sales in just a few short years. And he's got a new book that's coming out here in the summer of 2018 called Building Billion Dollar Brands. And he certainly has experience doing that. If you know anything about, obviously, the George Foreman Grill and the Juiceman and Rug Doctor, obviously, all of these brands utilized infomercials or direct-to-consumer marketing. So we talk a lot about that on the podcast today, and we talk about how things have changed over the years and with all these additional mediums that people have to get the word out. How do you as a franchise business help build that brand and build it successfully? So I think you'll really enjoy this interview with Rick. He's a great guy and really provides a tremendous amount of value and experience in this space. So without further ado, here's my interview with Rick Cesari. Hello, Rick. Welcome back to Franchise Euphoria. Hey, Josh. Great. Thanks. Uh, great to be here. I say welcome back because you've technically been on the show before because we recorded it at one point in time, but it, it, it never went live because we had uh, technical issues. So happy to welcome you back. Uh, we were talking a little bit about this uh, you know, off the recording, but you've got a tremendous history with brands. I mean, some of the brands, um, as, as was indicated in introducing you, was you know, iconic brands, the Juice Man, Sonicare, the Bread Man, the George Foreman Grill, OxyClean, Rug Doctor. I mean, it goes on and on and on. I don't even think I hit all of them. Um, but really, in franchising, it's so important to be able to sell your brand so that you can build your brand. I mean, how have you or how did you come about uh, this idea or this notion of the brand responsive advertising that you've that you've mastered, but I think you began back in the back in the early '90s. Yeah, so that's a great question, and um, one thing I, I want to point out to your listeners are because you mentioned brands that are very well known now, but I didn't start working with them when they were big companies and had lots of money. Almost every one of those brands were startups, or they were very early in their um, growth and sales cycle, and we just basically used. Uh, some direct-to-consumer marketing, which we can talk about more as we move forward, and some basic steps for helping them uh, build their brand. And so just, you know, we don't want to scare people away thinking, oh, these are big brands, they can afford to pay a lot of money. Every one of them that I worked with uh, were, were doing zero or very little in sales, and we're able to basically build them from nothing to pretty successful, iconic brands uh, just by some of the marketing that we help them implement. Well, and so is that, and you're saying you're do, you did that through a direct to consumer kind of marketing, I mean, going on doing infomercials, all those sorts of things, right? Correct. It was that, was that something that you came up with or did you see other folks doing that? I mean, I'm trying to remember back into the early nineties. I can't remember when I first saw my first infomercial, 
I'll tell you a little bit about the background just just because I didn't necessarily come up with it, but I've probably been doing it as long or longer than anybody in the country really because the very first people to start using them actually started in the in the mid 80s and they were using them to promote uh, real estate seminars and I was in the real estate business and actually my background I have a degree in biology believe it or not but I just had a knack for marketing and I started using them to help promote some some live real estate seminars but my real passion was health and nutrition and I had an opportunity to work with someone named Jay Cordich who was known as the juice man. And we used the same uh, television to really drive people to live seminars and basically gave them a um, 90 minute uh, talk or lecture about the benefits of drinking fresh juice. And by the end of that time, the people were ready to buy a juice machine. And that business kind of just took off and was the start of all of the other brands that you mentioned. Well, and so, and that's, so and the idea behind it, right, for for, for people is is you're you're basically showing people how these things work. I mean, you're 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 showing them the benefit, right? I mean, you're they're getting good visual of of the benefit of it, and that if you can do that, and it's something where you know it resonates with people, then you can start to really build up a brand from that. I mean, is that the whole concept? That was, that's part of the concept, and that's one of the really important things. And actually, when we're talking about the juice machine, one of the reasons we had a lot of success, and just so your listeners know, we were able to grow that business from zero to $75 million in sales in just over four years. Uh, but wow. Yeah, and, and we were up against uh, big companies out of Germany called Krupps and Braun. But you mentioned focusing on the benefits, and one of the things we did, they, those were German engineering companies. And they talked about the features of a juicer, a stainless steel blade and and a half horsepower motor. And what we did is we focused on the benefits of the product, uh, the benefits you would get from drinking fresh juice. You could um, have more energy, lower your cholesterol, um, things like that. And so we uh, really didn't focus on the machine. And that was something that uh, took off. And really, I used then as something in all the other products you mentioned with the sonic care toothbrush we didn't focus on the sonic technology but the the fact or the benefit that it could clean beyond the bristles and reach uh bacteria in your mouth that was beyond the reach of other products so that's something to keep in mind um regardless of your business is always focus on what the benefit is to the end user or consumer that you're trying to market to well, so you said, uh, you know, you, you got a degree in biology and you just had sort of a knack for marketing. I mean, how, how did you get into that? I mean, how did the Juiceman people, when they were starting out, how did they find you or did you find them or, or what was the circumstance that led to you guys working together? Yeah, that goes back uh, to, to, to I mentioned I was in real estate. So I got a de- I graduated with a degree in biology. I was going to school in Pennsylvania. I applied to dental school and I didn't want to go to school for four more years. So I moved back down to Florida where my family was living. And I started reading a lot of books. Um, I'd alternate between a motivational book um, like Think and Grow Rich and then one where I was looking at how people that had made a lot of money made money. And at the time, you know, it was it was in real estate. So I got a real estate license and started basically trying to buy real estate. But I went to a lot of seminars. And after I had some success at one of the seminars, the person started using me as a testimonial. And then I helped him do some marketing. And that's really I learned it uh, just by basically by going out there and and doing it. And so 
that was one where I learned that that skill of driving people to live seminars, then that's where I was able to use that same thing for the juicer business and then some of the other subsequent businesses that I was in. Well, and we all know, I mean, I got to imagine doing infomercials on television uh, have to be kind of expensive. You're getting a lot of time on air. Is that, am I, is that assumption wrong? Am I wrong in that assumption? No, it it is. And, and again, um, that is, uh, uh, an expensive first step for many people is using TV. But what I try to focus on with any business that I'm working in is to figure out a way of um, using some direct-to-consumer marketing. It doesn't have to be TV. I mean, I still use direct mail for some things. But the important thing to remember is that when you're advertising, and this is the difference uh, between brand advertising and brand response is there always is some type of offer where you're asking the people to respond. And I know you work a lot in the franchise business and I know that, that there are many different things, but there has to be some types of promotion that you're putting out there where you're asking people to, to actually, instead of just, um, advertising the name of your, uh, business or company, you're giving them a reason to respond, um, and, and either come into the store or get more information from you that will lead to a sale. And I'm, you know, just a big believer in driving sales as a way of, of building the brand. Now, do you primarily, I mean, many of these, uh, these companies that you've worked with, they sell products. So do you apply these same strategies to service-based businesses? Yes, um, absolutely. There's always, it, basically the background um, a lot of the brands you mentioned were consumer products, but we've worked with many, many um, service businesses as well that you, we utilize the same, the same concepts. And let's just take it, um, you know, we talked about uh, features versus benefits. One of the biggest things um, that a business can do, or I've always had success with over the years in the businesses and products that I've worked with is, is basically using what I call authentic testimonials. Um, somebody comes in to, um, or utilizes your service or comes into your store, comes into your business or franchise, the more you can basically, um, get and, and basic, basically advertise the testimonials of, of happy customers the more that that's going to lead to success and more people coming into or using your, your business or service. Well, yeah. And I mean, it's so true. I mean, you know, that's the thing is, you know, having pe- people pay attention, it's like the Yelps, right? You know, Yelp of the people. It's so funny. I was just on a family trip, uh, went to Florida, you know, every, every night we're trying to decide where we want to go to eat. And, you know, the first thing we do is, you know, we go to Yelp and you, know, you sit there and you, you put blind faith and trust into other people that you've never met, you don't know them, you have no idea what their food tastes are like. But I can remember sitting there with my family and be dead, and and my wife would be saying, "Well, this restaurant has you know a rating of four point seven, and this restaurant has a rating of four point four. So let's go to the one that has four point seven. Yeah, you know what I'm saying. And that's just a testimonial. Yeah, and it's and right? it's a testimonial, and and you're using the situ, you know, the Yelp is the distribution. Uh, channel where you read that, but um, a lot of products like the reviews on Amazon. Um, if there's a way that a, a business or service could be marketed there, that's that's something that happens. But I think the important thing 
um, we were talking about TV advertising, and that can be very expensive. Something that's that's more affordable, and you can deploy it is going back to these testimonials. The more you could set up a day where you could get half a dozen uh, happy customers or people and sit down and videotape them and ask them, uh, you know, what they liked about your business, what they didn't like, you would really get some really great feedback that you could use to help improve and market your business. But then now you also have these people on video that you could then put that video on your website or on YouTube. And that was kind of a strategy we used. Um, one of the products you didn't mention was with the GoPro camera that we basically um, uh, interviewed or, or basically had people that used the Go, GoPro camera send in videos of them using it and that business kind of grew virally just from people sharing the exciting videos that they found on the website. That's awesome. That's one of my favorite companies too. I mean, that, that I love the GoPro. And in fact, when we were in Florida and I had a camera, I was kicking myself because when we were on the in the ocean, I was telling my wife, I go, man, I needed to get my GoPro for this trip <laughs> to be able to go. It works underwater too. I know. That's why I needed the GoPro. I needed to be able to go underwater. So, but you started working with them. It, it's from from startup phase, right? Yeah, I was. Um, sometimes I'll go to different trade shows and walk around just to kind of see what's new out in the marketplace. And I was at the at the outdoor retailing show in Salt Lake City. This is probably about eight years ago now. And the founder of the company, Nick Woodman, was ba- uh, basically. Uh, selling these uh, early prototypes of the camera out of the back of a Volkswagen bus. He couldn't afford a trade booth, so he brought his Volkswagen bus, you know, kind of a surfer-type setup, put some sand on the floor and some lounge chairs and an umbrella, and was basically selling the cameras to people that would walk by. And for whatever reason, either it was his salesmanship or the product itself, I told him that this would be a great product that we could help market and basically started working with them and – had a little bit of to do with helping them go from zero to about a billion dollars in sales in eight years. Yeah, so he went from you know the back of his VW to to a shark on Shark Tank. But didn't he didn't he guest didn't he go on there as a guest at one point in time? Yes, he was he was on an episode of Shark Tank, and um, when I met him, uh, so eight years later after the company went public, um, he sent me an email the day that they went public, uh, thanking me for his help. Um, I would have preferred to get more stock options. That would have been better. <laughs> but um, since then, he's bought um, a Gulfstream and a 180-foot yacht with a helicopter on the back and takes surfing trips with his friends now. So um, he's, he's made out well personally. The business isn't doing as well be- uh, as it was earlier because of all the competition, but that was a, a real big success story. Well, it was totally – it was so innovative. And so and, and the thing about it was, was that I – I talked to so many people, especially in the uh, in the production world, who were were literally now, you know, scraping, getting rid of all their, you know, thousands and thousands of dollars of equipment and everything, and just going with a GoPro to film things. Yeah, the, te- the technology was was really awesome. It was a great little camera for the money, and uh, many TV uh, networks were using it. They used it quite a bit on on the Deadliest Catch and um, a lot of others because it just works so well and it's so portable and it just it's you know just kind of spread like wildfire it was the right product at the right time well so obviously you know like when you're working with somebody like you know nick from gopro and some of the others you you had a history there that you could tell them about um with some very well-known brands i'm curious i mean so when you are starting to work with gopro 
are you the idea guy? I mean, are you the guy that's coming up with, hey, let's, you know, you said it kind of, you know, it kind of blew up virally, right? Because you had people sending in their own videos. Are you the person who comes up with that and then kind of helps build a strategy around it? Uh, and same with like the infomercials. I mean, are you helping to write the infomercials or like what's your exact role in that? Uh, yes, yeah, so uh, that's a great question. And, um, you know, there's an old uh, saying, success has many fathers, but failure is an orphan. And um, with the with the case of the GoPro, Nick actually came up here and we, we had a few. I remember this. We went to a local restaurant that was on Lake Union and had a few beers and he ordered some uh, chili cheese fries. And we sat down and, and he told me how he wanted to grow the business to a billion dollar company. So he started out with this vision. I think probably one of the biggest things that I did um, and absolutely uh, not taking, you know, just taking a small piece of the credit for it. But it goes back to that direct to consumer marketing. So he could have just made regular videos. But one of the things that we came up with, and if you look at any GoPro video, there's a couple unique things about them. Everyone has started with a brand logo and ends with a brand logo. So it's kind of like a sandwich. And then the user generated footage is in the middle. But I think the biggest thing that helped propel the sales growth was that we started a contest. So at the end of every video, um, whether it was online or ones we put on TV or wherever on YouTube, it said, go to our website and someone will win one of everything we make every single day. So there's that direct-to-consumer response component. So people would see the video, they liked it, they would go to the website and three things would happen. One, um, in order to enter the contest, they'd have to leave their name and address. So the company started to build a database and they were able to remarket to these people. The second thing is that um, uh, people would go to the website and they'd see other cool videos and share them. And, 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 you know, that's how it grew virally. And the third thing, which is the most important and the best is that many people that went to the website actually bought the cameras. So the advertising became kind of a self-funding advertising campaign. And I think it was that little thing that we did at the very beginning of their business that, that helped with their initial growth. So is, is it harder now, uh, to, to, get people's attention. I mean, you know, in this world we live in now, I mean, I can imagine the nineties you're doing infomercials, stuff like that. I mean, really the, the, the primary medium then what was TV, you know, a lot of people eyeballs are on there. Uh, and, and now you've just got so many uh, mediums capturing people's attention. Is it harder for you when you're working with brands uh, to really figure out how you're going to get that attention that you need uh, to help propel these brands. Yeah, it's, it's definitely, it's kind of a trade-off. It, I, I, I could answer and say, yes, it's harder, but on the, uh, beca because in, if you wanted to reach a mass market before, like you just said, you could make a TV commercial and reach many people. Now people's viewing habits are changed, but from a marketing perspective, there's many, many less expensive ways to reach the consumer and especially targeted to the consumer so that it's actually from a marketing perspective a little easier. I was reading a great uh, blog post recently about the advent of what they call mini brands. And if you think about 
let's just take the mattress category. It, you know, there used to be many different mattresses, but now all of a sudden, like a mini brand like Casper, or yeah. uh, there's other ones. And these companies were built uh, specifically with maybe Facebook advertising, or maybe just um, uh, uh, doing email or uh, email, you know, building a website and doing e-commerce and email marketing. And I think that. And it, and those are very much affordable ways to reach directly to the consumer. So what you have to do or a business has to do is find the channel that works best for them, create some type of response mechanism. Um, and then and then when they have success in that one channel and they start to grow a little bit, then they could expand and market in 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 different uh, channels. Well, I'll never forget the first time I saw Casper. I was at a mastermind uh, group in Tennessee that I was a part of, and we're all sitting around and and I think it was either UPS or FedEx or you know some truck truck pulls in at the the property where we're at, and they drop off this box. It's like, oh, what's in the box? And so uh, the box gets open, and and it's the Casper mattress, right? So that, that that was genius in and of itself, right? I mean, that it's like they sell themselves. That's a talking point because your your mattress is folded up into a box, and then you open it out of the box, and then you know five minutes later, it's like this beautiful, perfect mattress. I mean, it's, it's well, and, you know, that's an important point you're making there. Um, that these guys are taking on big mattress companies that have been around for years and years and years. And so how do they differentiate themselves from other products out there? And that's really, I think, the key to building any brand is what's your what's your unique selling proposition or what differentiates you? And you just kind of talked about the Casper, um, something that made them different than any other product out there. And, it, and people start talking about that and it, and it becomes a little bit of word of mouth advertising uh, that, that helps uh, the product grow. Yeah, and, and I, I think they had that component, the visual kind of component. They also had, I think they were one of the first in the mattress category, I could be wrong on this, that uh, try it out for 100 days. And if you don't like right. it, you can return it. I mean, can you imagine that? I mean, you know, that's the thing about getting a traditional mattress is first of all, it's like, you know, you go get a king size mattress. If it's any good, you're going to spend, you know, two to $4,000 and God forbid, you know, you, you don't like it after a day or two, you're stuck with it here. It's like, try it out for a hundred days. And if you're not happy, send it back and, and, and you, you haven't lost any of your money. Yep. And that, that's actually kind of a key component to any type of uh, brand response or, or direct to consumer marketing is offering a, a very um, liberal money back guarantee to get somebody uh, to try your product or service. Um, and really, uh, we can talk about these things, but underlying a lot of it are you, um, basically financial pro formas. Like in the case of Casper, they probably have done this and they know that their return rate, even with that 100 day or 120 day um, money back guarantee, which is a really big selling point. They know that maybe only 5% of the people that try the product will send it back. So, but, but to basically go out and make an offer like that, that's kind of disrupting the whole mattress thing. You know, look at shavers, uh, you know, how expensive it is or used to be to buy and still is to buy Gillette shavers and things like that. And then along comes uh, dollar shave club and Harry's doing direct to consumer marketing uh, starting with a little niche brand, starting e-commerce, 
and basically disrupting the whole shaving industry. Oh yeah, no, absolutely, absolutely. I mean, it's just I, I love I love those kind of stories. You know, the, the the thing about it is, is that the the number one question I get, Rick, after I'm working with a a franchise system, after I turned a business into a franchise, you know, they're registered, they're 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 off to the races. Is okay now what? Right. I mean, how, how do you, how, how do we grow from there? And it, and it's so interesting because every single one I've ever done, that's always the question I get. And so, you know, I've tried to you know help them, you know, obviously I'm an, I'm an attorney, so I do the legal side of things, but I've tried to help them with the strategy side of helping them build their brand. Um, I, I'm curious from your perspective, I mean, you see a lot of businesses, you've seen you know, a lot of franchise businesses. I mean, what are what are some of the mistakes that people are making when they try to build their brand and grow their businesses? You know, for me and and the successes I've had, I, it, it's important to think of your brand, but I think that you have to place the priority for any business and the lifeblood of any business is sales. And you kind of Almost every one of these brands we've talked about, and there's many, many more. I noticed you were a golfer, and we've we've had some golf products like Momentous Golf and things like that. We help build a brand. But to answer your question, really focus on how they can get sales in the door. And if you start getting sales in the door, um, you can build your brand as the business is growing. It's almost like that old saying you hear, like you can build the airplane as you're flying it. And I'm not saying you shouldn't have your ducks in a row and your, you know, your brand logo and colors and things like that. Um, but a hundred percent, not a hundred percent, but a big percentage of the focus should be how do you get sales in the door or sales online or sales or customers in the door? And as you're doing that, I think that you can be building your brand as the business is growing. And that's where my focus has been on almost all of these products and, and how to make that happen. And then as people start using it and sales grow, unless you make a big mistake, the, the product or service kind of evolves into a brand. Well, that I love that point because, you know, one of the things I'm always trying to tell clients is to uh, go a little slower. It's a little bit counterintuitive, especially in the franchise space where you have companies out there that want to take businesses and, hey, we'll take you from five locations and turn you into 150 locations in a few years. And I I have the exact opposite philosophy because um, I think the franchise graveyards are filled with companies that try to grow too fast. And I, you know, I, I think that people need to s- slow grow and then it will naturally happen. It sounds like that's what you're talking about with the branding. I see too many people who are trying to force the growth as opposed to take care of your customers, figure out your growth strategy, figure out where you want to be, what your uh, what distinguishes you, uh, who's going to be a good franchise owner for your business, where they're located, and take it step by step and the growth will happen naturally the brand building will happen naturally but you can't just you can't force it uh yeah i I couldn't agree more with everything you just said and you have to be working from a solid foundation and again something you've heard over and over i believe in in the philosophy of crawl walk run and you know why we talk about infomercials we we can't create an infomercial and make a company blow up uh blow up in a good way 
um, until there's a solid foundation to work from. And almost every one of those brands had had um, a good product, a good service, um, and a solid foundation that you could work from before you kind of poured gas on the fire. So I'm a I'm a absolutely a big believer. You mentioned um, there's another saying I think I I, I like is um, most of the branding, most of your branding or company's branding happens after the sale. And you mentioned about how you treat the customers. And those are the things as you're um, building your business, you should be really, really focused on the customer experience. And that's really what brand building is, is the experience that each customer has when they come in contact with your business. And then they literally don't um, underestimate the power of word of mouth advertising, especially with social media these days. So the best experience you can give each customer is really kind of a slow way to build your business. And then almost every business kind of hits a point where, wow, the foundation is good. Uh, the customers like our product. We're able to give them great customer service. And then now you can put in advertising that can help the business grow. Now, you've got a book coming out, right? It still hasn't come out called Build, Building Billion Dollar Brands. That, That's correct. When's it due to come out? Uh, August 1st. And it, it'll go into a lot more detail on many of the brands we talked about today. But really, kind of from a startup standpoint, uh, you know, what are the some of the basic things that all these businesses did in the beginning and then as they grew? And they can get that at my personal website, which I didn't have um, the first time we talked, uh, but it's rickcesari.com. That's R I C K. C-E-S-A-R-I, rickcesari.com. And I have my um, original book on there called Buy Now and then also the new one. And then also they can download um, some good information on there when it comes to building their brand. So are you still work, do you still work with folks? I mean, are you working with companies still? I, I do um, on a limited basis. I've transitioned. I've owned a direct response agency for the last 25 years. And literally in the last year or so, I've started to transition to doing more speaking, writing, and consulting. Uh, But every once in a while, uh, what I feel is like a fun product or project will come along, and then I can kind of dive in and get hands-on and and work with the the company or person um, that has a product or service. Well, you've had a tremendous career. I mean, some of the brands that, that you've worked with, I mean, all of them are just legendary. Uh, and, and obviously, there's something that there's something uh, to exactly what you've been able to do. And I, I just appreciate you coming on and sharing that a little bit. Because like I said, you know, the, the biggest problem in franchising for, for new and emerging franchisors is they don't know how to build their brand in the right way. So I so appreciate you coming on here and and sharing some of that, uh, sharing some of your experiences and knowledge, uh, so that hopefully some some people who are listening can can take that to heart, you know, from somebody who's done it over and over again. Yeah, and I uh, I really appreciate the uh, the questions and the conversation because I believe our philosophies are pretty much aligned in in the way we would approach uh, a business. And um, you know, I've had success doing it, and you've had success doing it, and. Um, you know, just for the for the listeners out there, just find a, a, a 
you know, an affordable channel. I forgot to talk about PR. I know we're kind of wrapping things up, but I've started a couple businesses just using public relations uh, and PR to drive people to a website. And um, whatever you can find that works that will pay for itself is at the at the end of the day the key to building the business. Well, I'm just going to start telling my clients, uh, you know, don't take it from me that you should do this. Rick agrees with me as well, and I think that there might be some more credibility there. <laughs> well, listen, you you've been a treat. I really enjoyed talking with you. I'd love to have you back on to talk about the PR. Definitely, when your book comes out, if you're if you're if you're making the rounds again, definitely reach out to me because I'd love to love to dive into that. Love to read it. Yeah, I'll send you a copy, and I would love to to really maybe dive in. This was kind of a broad brushstrokes overview, but we could get down and talk about some tactical things that some of the companies that I'm working with or I've worked with in the past have used to kind of get started and get those sales coming in the door, and um, you know, get real, get a little bit more specific with some ideas that that your listeners could use. Let's do it. And and I will leave that as a teaser, right? We'll leave that as a teaser for the next time that you come on uh, to do that. Because uh, I mean, I think that would be a lot. Of, I mean, I think this broad strokes, you know, the interview today is is is, is good because it kind of gives people sort of the, the framework from from with you from which you, you, you work. I would love to dive into the details a little bit more, because uh, I think people can extrapolate a lot of things from from that as well. Yep. And, uh, and one thing to keep in mind is everyone thinks their business is different and it won't and it and and what works for one business won't work for another. And I've been fortunate to work with many businesses along many different categories. And while one thing, you know, isn't necessarily true for everyone, a lot of the techniques and the things we talk about have worked over and over again for many different businesses in many different categories. So I think it would be a real benefit to to again to your listeners. Well, thank you again. I look forward to to staying in touch. Thank you, Rick. Thank you. Thanks for being with us today on the Franchise Euphoria podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, please be sure to go to iTunes and provide a review. Also, please remember that although Josh Brown is a licensed and practicing attorney, nothing contained in this podcast should be construed as legal advice because it is not. The information contained in this podcast is general and educational in nature, and none of it should be relied upon as legal advice. That being said, if you have questions for Josh and would like to contact him, please email him at josh at franchiseuphoria.com. Thank you so much for listening, and we hope you tune in to our next weekly episode.